0: Good morning. Good morning. Sarah Adams said this morning, what a difference a week can make looking outside. It's a lot different scene last week. I'm going to read something real quick. Actually, Leo, I'm going to put you on the spot. I'm not going to make you come up here and read it, but I'm, he just texted me this a little while ago and um, sort of just a, it's an encouragement or an exhortation. It doesn't really pertain to what I'm about to talk about, but it sure pertains to what God is saying. So it's a word from Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 30. If you don't know the story, he's going to kind of reference a little bit of what happens here in this text. He says, Jesus just proclaimed that Isaiah 61 has been fulfilled. And it should have caused great rejoicing if they truly heard and believed the words that were spoken by the prophet Isaiah. But rather, they gave religious accolades of speaking well of him, yet revealed the falseness of those words by exposing their pride and unbelief by comparing them to the previous unbelieving generation during the prophets of Elijah and Elisha. And they, the ones who saw him grow up all his life, meaning Jesus, immediately were filled with rage and wanted to kill him and throw him off a cliff. Jesus is revival personified. We should take care that we don't do the same thing when revival breaks out, the same thing as the religious leaders, the same thing as the people that were in the temple listening to Jesus prophesy about himself. Take care that we don't do the same thing when revival breaks out in our midst, but we allow the revelations of pride and unbelief in the recesses of our heart, so that we can repent of it and ask for childlike humility and belief in all that Jesus says of himself through Moses and the prophets. I gave that same word, Leo, thank you for that. I gave that same word to a church up in Round Rock a couple years ago uh, with a little bit of a different tick, but the same passage, Jesus gets up and he prophesies about himself and there's this, there's this, Sense in scripture in that moment where everyone in the room goes, huh? Like, because they, they realize, like, this, this is him. Yeah. This is the Messiah. Yeah. And then somebody speaks up, and you know what they say? They're like, isn't that the carpenter's son? And what they did is they let, they let their familiarity crush their, their belief. Familiarity trumped unbelief, or belief, rather, and, the, and, we, and my, when I gave the exhortation, the Lord had spoken to me as a word for the church to not get familiar with your leadership and so much so that you don't listen to what the Lord speaks through them. Uh, but, Leo, the exact same thing is true that we together in relationship to Jesus as our leader, right, cannot, cannot overlook how he comes, what he does, when he comes uh, when he comes uh, in the in the context of revival, uh, these people that wanted to kill him were waiting for the Messiah. They weren't unbelievers. They were in church when this happened, and they were waiting for the Messiah. And he was right in front of them, but he didn't come prepackaged in the way they'd expected. And so it's just such a good such a good reminder. Thank you for that, Leo. Thank you, Lord, and. Um, yeah, that's good. Log that one away. And uh, yeah. Open your Bibles to Second Chronicles chapter 1. I like the Old Testament. I like the Old Testament in light of the New Testament that shines a lot of light on it but I also like pulling a lot of principles out of it that we can directly apply to our lives today, and that's what we're going to do today. The hour that we're in, um, not 1120 hour, but the, the hour that we're in at this time and uh, this point in history, we as the church, uh, especially over the last year or so, have been faced with many, uh, many difficult uh decisions and things that we need to work through and positions that we need to find ourselves on one side or the other of, okay? We've had to face things that we've had the um, privilege of not having to face in a long time or ever in some of our lifetimes, Um, and I say privilege. It's just happened. It turns out it probably wasn't a privilege. It would have been easier to work through it years ago, so it wouldn't have been a surprise this year, but nonetheless, one of the things that came out of this, I believe, is that Hopefully, we've realized as a church, River in the Hills, and as the church worldwide, that we need wisdom. If you haven't realized that, you need wisdom. <laughs> because, because no one has arrived. No one that's still living here on this planet has arrived. We all need we we all desire or should desire more, but we all need more. I'm going to define what I mean by wisdom here, and we're going to talk a little bit about the the begin the early reign of of Solomon after his dad King David died, and um, but then we're actually going to to do or like there's going to be an action step at the end. We're going to do the same thing that Solomon did because it's one thing to be like yeah we need wisdom and then just leave. <laughs> You're like Amen. But another thing to to actually pursue it like Solomon did, and he got it so much, so much so that the you're gonna, we're, I'm just not gonna spoil it. I'll just read it. But uh, it's it's pretty amazing. And I know that you you know if you've been around the Bible, or been around the church, or been around the Lord uh, for any amount of time, I'm sure you've read Proverbs, right? The book of wisdom. Some people are really offended at Proverbs. They're like, ah, Proverbs, Proverbs. I'm like. He's probably not a very wise person then. But, uh, but it's just filled with, with proverb after proverb of, of wisdom. And you read it, and you're like, oh. Like, like if, if people were to write down Bill Johnson quotes nowadays, <laughs> just one after another in verse form, yeah. you'd be like, oh, is this from Proverbs? You're like, no, that's just from Bill Johnson. Right? It's just these little one That's what Proverbs is. Sometimes there's not even continuity to it. It's just like wisdom, bam, wisdom, bam. You're like, well, that was about work. And this one's about marriage. This one's about parenting. This one's, I don't even know what this one's about. And it's all in the same proverb, right? And it's just, it's just great. So got to love it. Easily quotable. I'm going to read just a quick story here, and then we're going to get into this. Uh, You can follow along with me. I'm reading from the new international version. If you don't have that version, no one's perfect, but it'll be on the screen. No, I'm just kidding. Totally kidding. (laughs) Don't throw out all your PBS, NBC, NLT, whatever. (laughs) Solomon, starting in verse 1, Solomon, son of David, established himself firmly over his kingdom, for the Lord his God was with him and made him exceedingly great. And he had been set in already at this point, uh, uh, obviously, as, as king. And Solomon spoke to all all Israel, and to the commanders of thousands, commanders of hundreds, and to the judges, and to the leaders of Israel, the heads of families. And Solomon and the whole assembly went to the high place at Gibeon, for God's tent of meeting was there, which Moses, the Lord's servant, had made in the desert. And David had brought up the ark, excuse me, I lost my place, of God, from Karath-Jerim to the place he had prepared for it, because he had pitched pitched a tent. How many of you have seen that YouTube video? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, for it in Jerusalem, but the bronze altar that Bezalel, excuse me for the names, Bezelel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, had made, was in Gibeon in front of the tabernacle of the Lord. So Solomon and the assembly inquired of him there. Solomon went up to the bronze altar before the Lord in the tent of meeting and offered a thousand burnt offerings on it. That's it's intense. In the chapter before this, the end of First Chronicles, they're like slaughtering 5,000 animals to honor God. It's, that's messy. Okay, when you go hunting, Shane, right, on a good day, you're getting one or two, 5,000. So anyways, this was a serious thing that happened here. So that night, so remember, he's been, in the t- he's been before the Lord, makes a huge sacrifice. That night, God appeared to Solomon and said to him, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Kind of makes you want to go hunting, doesn't it? And like if the Lord, I mean, you know what I'm saying? He spent, he, he, he sacrificed to get before the Lord. And the Lord showed up and said, what do you, what do you need? And Solomon answered and he said, "Now, here's, this is awesome. Solomon answered, God, you've shown great kindness to David, my father, and have made me king in this place. He just has, he just has a humble response. Now, Lord God, let your promise to my father David be confirmed, for you have made me king over a people who are as numerous as the dust of the earth, just as God said they would be. Give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people for who, to, for who is able to govern this great people of yours. God said, in verse 11, God said to Solomon, since this is your heart's desire, actually, the emphasis, I believe, is since this is your heart's desire having wisdom and knowledge. And you have not asked for wealth, riches, and honor, nor the death of your enemies. And since you've not asked for long life, which, by the way, were all blessings that David had. Those were all, when you read the life of David, chapters earlier, those were all things that he enjoyed. But for wisdom and knowledge to govern my people over whom I have made you king, therefore wisdom and knowledge will be given to you. And... I will also give you wealth, riches, honor, such as no king who was before you had ever ever had, and none after you will have. Do you realize the significance of that? No ruler in all of history or in all of the future will ever be as blessed as Solomon was. Why? Because when given the choice, he asked for wisdom and knowledge. Do you realize that if he would have asked for riches and wealth that God would have gave it to him? When God shows up and says, "What do you want?" He in, in this in this terminal, he would have given him. He trusted him. He would have given him what he wanted. And he would have and he would have blessed him. But because of where his heart was and he said humbly and soberly, he went You've, been, you've actually tasked me as the leader of your chosen people who you've said will be as numerous as the dust in the earth. I need wisdom to do that. And the Lord said, because you answered like that, that is definitely what you're going to have. And I'm going to give you all the other stuff you didn't ask for that you deserve also. And Solomon did enjoy it. He, God came through on every promise. Verse 13, Solomon went to Jerusalem from the high place at Gibeon, from before the tent of meeting, and he reigned over Israel. Solomon accumulated chariots and horses, had 1,400 chariots, 12,000 horses, which he kept in the chariot cities and also with him in Jerusalem. The king made silver and gold as common in Jerusalem as stones, and cedar as plentiful as sycamore fig trees in the foothills. Solomon's horses were imported from Egypt and from Kew, the royal merchants purchased them from Q. They imported a chariot from Egypt for six hundred shekels of silver, a horse for hundred and fifty. They also exported them to all the kings and the Hittites of the Arameans. Goes on and on and on. In the life of Solomon. Here's a few points that I want to draw out. When we say wisdom, I'm talking about I'm talking about supernatural insight and revelation. This is this is God's wisdom, wisdom from heaven. Okay. You, some of you may know some people who you consider wise and. And you're relating that wisdom to maybe a level of intelligence that they have or education um, or life experience. And that's all valid. But, but when we're talking about biblical, we're talking about this wisdom right here, the wisdom that Solomon was asking for. What he was saying was, Lord, I need, I need your mind. I need supernatural insight. Things I can't get from here, I can only get from here. That's what he said, I want, I need that so that I can be good here. And he asked for wisdom and knowledge. So when we're talking about it, we're talking about supernatural insight and revelation, okay? The other thing that amazes me, and I already alluded to it a little bit, but I cannot skip over it too much, is that Solomon grew up like a rich kid, right? He grew up, he grew up with all the benefits of royalty. He grew up with all the benefits that his father David enjoyed, so it would have been second nature, first nature. <laughs> it would have been his nature to ask for the same thing that he had, that he had been accustomed to experiencing. But he didn't. And I, and I love that, and I love the humility that Solomon has, and we can learn from that. Let's move on just a little bit here. We can learn a lot about ourselves from what we ask the Lord. Okay, we can learn a lot about what our desires are, petitions are. Okay, petition is just a part of prayer, right? Right, Nate. Thank you. So, but it is, it is sometimes it is sometimes something that we are a little heavy on, right? We've talked about We're not talking about that before. We're not talking about all the different types, about thanksgiving and praise and intercession. And, and these are all valid parts of prayer, but part of it is petition. We, the Lord said, ask and you shall receive. Okay, you don't have because you don't ask. There's definitely a, there's definitely a call from the Word of God that says, ask me. He wants to, he wants to hear, okay? And so what we're asking will tell us a lot about where our hearts at. Just like we see where Solomon's heart was at, Solomon wanted in his heart of hearts, his purest desire before the Lord was to be a good, solid, reliable, righteous leader of the people that God had entrusted him with. That's what he wanted. Do you know how we know that? Because when given the choice to ask for all the money, he's like he got a genie in a lamp. One wish. And what would you wish for, a thousand wishes? Or would you wish for all the money in the world? Do you ask for all the power in the world? No, he's like, no, I just, I need wisdom from heaven. That's where, that's how you know where his heart was at. Where's your heart at? Where's my heart at? You can tell by what we ask for. This isn't a message about correcting you where your heart of petition has been before the Lord. You guys can work all that out on your own. But my, my exhortation today is that I think that we, I think that we could benefit greatly for, from asking for wisdom and knowledge just like Solomon did. And I'm going to give you some reasons why. Wisdom isn't, I said, already isn't just intelligence, not just being intelligent. It's not, uh, it's not like, "Hey, this guy's wise because he's 70. Right, you don't just grow into it. Right, I know that Proverbs, the book of wisdom, says that the gray hair, right, it's like your crown of glory and wisdom, and uh, but you just you don't just kind of stumble into that. Okay, it's not like you wake up one day wise because you turned a certain age. It's not how it works. Um, I know very wise young people. I know very unwise old people. So it just age helps, but it it's not the uh, it's not the indicator. Um, this wisdom, this supernatural insight, it's not just knowing what to do, but how to do it, why to do it, when to do it. Wisdom is the what I call the application of knowledge. Okay, in, t- in speaking of spiritual gifts, we have word of wisdom and word of knowledge. Word of knowledge is the information, right? Glenn, Pastor Glenn just gave a few words of knowledge. Okay, words of knowledge. One was healing for backs. Right. So for for example. Somebody has a word of knowledge. Say they come up, I come up here and I say, hey, I have a word of knowledge. Uh, I heard the name Karen. Okay, well that's not the, the name Karen's not. I mean, if I come up here and say, Hey, I heard Karen, nobody's getting saved, probably. I don't know. Maybe. But 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 somebody comes with a word of wisdom and says, Yeah, here what I heard is that is that Karen's been struggling, not not able to get pregnant. And that, uh, and that the Lord just wants to open up, open up your womb and, and wants you to be pregnant, and we just want to release that over you as Karen here. Well, that was an application for the word of knowledge. Okay, so the word of wisdom was how to apply the word of knowledge. Does that make sense? So wisdom is, is, is the application of knowledge. It's the doing, okay? You can have an immense amount of knowledge and no wisdom. Do you see that? You can know a lot. How many of you guys people know? I mean, we all know people who are, like, brilliant, right? They have all this knowledge. No idea what to do with it. That's where wisdom comes in. You won't know what to do with your knowledge without wisdom. The line, speaking in the the context of faith, in the context of the church, the line between faith and foolishness is wisdom. One act could be considered foolishness right here. The same act could be considered faith right here. Same person even, right? Kyle gets a word. Kyle, I want, you to, I want you to go run out in the street over there and I want you to flag down the first car you see. I want you to knock on their window and tell them Jesus loves you. That's what I want you to do, <laughs> right? So the, but that, right, he gets this word. He gets this word, but so like, if he's like before the Lord, that's a word of knowledge and he goes in obedience, that's faith because that's, that's radical, right? That's like, how do you, don't even know who that's going to be. But he, if he's just sitting here like, what could I do? That's really going to impress somebody. It's going to make me and think like, I'm really faith, I'm going to go do this. And that's foolishness. Same exact act. The only difference is wisdom. How do you apply the knowledge you have? Does that make sense? Good. If it made sense, you have wisdom. (laughs) You know how to apply it. I'm just kidding. It's all right. (laughs) He's like, yes. All right. So what do we get from this passage that we can apply in our lives? The first thing is that wisdom leads to humility. And humility (laughs) makes a way for wisdom, right? Solomon asked for wisdom because he was humble. And as the Lord gave him more wisdom, he did more humble things right? Because he had this revelation from heaven. And part of the revelation from heaven is that God opposes the proud. That's in the word, right? Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord and he will lift you up. Not be prideful in front of the Lord. Pride comes before the fall. Wisdom leads to humility. The second one is wisdom makes God a resting place or a home. The first thing that Solomon did after the Lord gave him wisdom was build the temple. First thing that he did, made a resting place. When he went to go, he went to the tent of meeting. Remember, he had to travel to it to to burn offerings before the Lord to give him sacrifices. That's what context he was in when the Lord showed up the same night and spoke to him and said, what do you need? He was before the Lord. Wisdom makes God a resting place. The third thing is that wisdom provokes us to love. Solomon was and... And maybe he was the wisest man on earth at the time. He probably even to this day, I don't know. I don't have a metric for this. He may be the wisest man that ever lived. Okay. But he was at least probably top three. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't know everybody. God hasn't revealed that to me. I don't know. So, but nonetheless, he was wise. He wrote Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, and he may have written Song of Solomon also. Okay, if he didn't write it, there, I'm not getting into that today. If he didn't, if he didn't write it, it's at least about him or concerning him. Okay, he has—he's the only person directly mentioned by name in the book. Have you read Song of Solomon? It's a manual for love. Okay, and love making. It is. Are you gonna tell me that he got there without wisdom? No. Wisdom leads. It provokes us to love. It leads us to love. Solomon took great care of his people because of wisdom. Now, how do we apply it? I believe that we can ask for the exact same thing. Same God. Even better, though. New covenant. No veil. No hindered access to Jesus. No hindered access to the throne. We can come right. Not not only can we come before him, he invites it. Come before him and just ask. We just got to know what to ask for. And I would, I would say that the word for today, for what we ask for from the Lord, is wisdom. We need it. We need it. You need it for your family. You need it for your marriage. You need it for your kids. You need it for your job. You need it to go to HEB, right? You need it. You need to know what do we do when our water pipes break? What do we do when our, when, when our heat goes out? What do we do when our food starts to spoil? What do we do? I'll tell you what, there's some wisdom to be found from, from right here, but the real wisdom that you need is right here. Yeah. And we can ask for it, and He is ready and willing to give it. It's the same principle as seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these other things will be added unto you. We seek first wisdom, just like Solomon did, and then what happened? Wealth, riches, power, defeating of the enemies, long life, all those things just followed. But he had his first things in first place. And for the resting place, I said one of the first things that he did was build the temple. I believe that, I believe that when we ask for wisdom, one of the first things we'll do is we'll make sure that, that, that the Lord has a resting place or a home within us, in our heart that will be able to carry and steward the presence of the Lord personally and corporately. See, we need wisdom individually, and we need wisdom as River in the Hills Church. We need r- wisdom as believers in the Lake Travis region. We need wisdom as believers in the global church. Okay, it's going gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna to find its way, its application into each one of those different streams, each one of those different fingers there. And he's, he's ready and willing to give it. Supernatural insight and revelation. That's what we need. We we need to know how to make informed decisions, how to respond, how to grow, what to say yes to, what to say no to. Who to help, who to pray for, who not to pray for. The only line there is wisdom. What's faith, what's foolishness? We need wisdom. Let's follow Solomon's example. I'm going to invite Pastor Glenn up, um, just for and the band. If the band could come back up here as well, Sloan just texted me a verse here. I'm going to read it. It's from Proverbs, Passion, Passion Translation. Ooh, Proverbs twenty-one, twenty-two says, "A warrior filled with wisdom ascends into the high place and releases regional breakthrough, bringing down the strongholds of the mighty." But I mean that's awesome. I love that. We're gonna we're gonna just have just a time of, of ministry here that I'm, I've asked Pastor Glenn to lead. And the reason I'm asking him to lead it is because he's one of the wisest guys that I know. Not a wise guy. <laughs> one of the wisest guys. And uh, and the Lord has because I know that I know that he's I know that he's spent time before the Lord asking for wisdom just like Solomon has. I've heard him do it. I've come to him with things through the years. I've seen other people come to him with things that are just like, this is probably going to be a big deal. This is probably going to be hard. And he'll stop and he'll go, sometimes he takes maybe a couple hours to pray it through. Sometimes he's just got it and he goes, let's do this. Let's respond like this. And it's like, oh, oh, that was easier. Oh, that tore down that offense. Oh, that put out that fire. Oh, that, every time. So I, I wanted him to lead this time and uh, and impart. So not all, I'm gonna let I don't even know what he's gonna do, I don't care. It's gonna be good. It's good. But I also also know that there's a there's a spirit of impartation that why would we not want I'll tell you what, if there's someone here in the room and they're like, Hey, I prayed for eighteen people this week and they all got healed, well, they're probably gonna lead the healing time, the ministry time. Why? Wisdom. <laughs> right? When someone's on a hot streak, when they've got the hot hand, get out of, their, get out of the Lord's way. The Lord, Glenn has demonstrated wisdom in my life over and over and over and over again. I believe I have a level of wisdom as well, but why would, I not, why would we not want the best? And so um, I'm, I'm going to let him lead this time. And Lord, we just thank you for wisdom. I thank you for the life of Solomon that we can learn from, glean from. I thank you, Lord, that you've said ask. I thank you, Lord, that you're ready to answer when it's according to your will. And I know it's according to your will that we carry supernatural insight and revelation from heaven so we can make informed decisions so that we can make faith-filled decisions and not foolish ones. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now come, Holy Spirit. Expose areas in our hearts right now. Lord, where we push wisdom aside or where we're acting foolish. Father, we need every ounce that you're willing to pour out in Jesus' name.